Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I truly hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, beyond delighted to welcome Elizabeth Boisson, the remarkable president and co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, the inspiring nonprofit organization dedicated to assisting bereaved parents to become shining light parents by providing support and resources to aid in the healing process. Helping Parents Heal goes a step beyond other groups because it allows the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a non-dogmatic way, welcoming everyone, regardless of religious or non-religious background, and allowing for open dialogue. Elizabeth will be speaking to us today from Cave Creek, Arizona, for what will be her second interview, interview on Grief and Rebirth podcast. In addition to being the president and co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, she is a certified yoga instructor who teaches many different styles of yoga, including yoga for healing grief and yoga nidra, which is similar to guided meditation. Today, I'm looking forward to talking with Elizabeth about the incredibly touching, uplifting book titled Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal, the book, which is based on the documentary created by producer Craig McMahon titled Life to Afterlife, Mom, Can You Hear Me? This stirring documentary explores the significant shift in perspective that progressed as 17 parents who are members of Helping Parents Heal developed communication with their child and spirit. I'm also eager to talk with Elizabeth about the amazing signs her son Morgan and other kids featured in the book have sent to their parents to help them heal, 10 ways to heal from the passing of a child, the incredible conference Helping Parents Heal is holding in Arizona this August, and more. Hi, wonderful, beautiful Elizabeth. What a true pleasure to welcome you back to Grief and Rebirth podcast, truly. The pleasure is all mine, Irene. What a beautiful introduction. I truly appreciate it. And it's always so much fun to talk to you. So thank oh my you God. for having me. Elizabeth, by the way, to everyone listening, and I have a perpetual rain check. If we ever can connect between New Jersey and Arizona, we're getting that glass of wine for sure. <laughs> so let's begin our interview by once again introducing our Grief and Rebirth audience to you and sharing why you founded Helping Parents Heal. I, okay, yeah. I'll, let me just ask the question. You have four beautiful children, two of whom are in spirit. Your daughter, Chelsea, passed when she was two days old. And when your 20-year-old son, Morgan, transitioned 18 years later, your life was profoundly transformed. Please tell us about Chelsea and Morgan, 
the shared death experience you had with your son Morgan at the base camp of Mount Everest in Tibet and how that shared death experience transformed you to co-found Helping Parents Heal three years later. I would love to. And I, I feel grateful to talk about this story because I don't do it very often. And I always love to be able to remember, especially about Morgan. But Chelsea um, was born. Chelsea is my daughter who uh, was born in France and I had been pregnant with her and then had to go to the hospital and be in the hospital for two months on an IV because uh, my pregnancy was difficult. And when she was finally born, her lungs had been crushed because I lost my water a week before she was born and the gynecologist wanted me or the obstetrician to uh, keep from having her. And then when she was born, she only survived for two days. Um, it was devastating to me, but at the time, Morgan was two years old, and I was thrilled to get home to Morgan because being in the hospital was so difficult. He didn't understand where his mom was, why she was there, didn't see a baby. Obviously, I just had a big stomach. And so anyway, getting home to Morgan was what really saved me and allowed me to heal after the passing of Chelsea. But from that moment on, I had one foot here and one foot over on the other side with Chelsea. And I think that any parent who's had the passing of a child uh, feels the same way, that you don't really feel that you are as connected to this world as you used to be. <clears throat> And then with Morgan, Morgan grew up to be an incredible young man, six foot six, 280 pounds. He wow. was the star athlete in terms of football and, and track, shot put and discus. And, and then he became a cheerleader for the University of Arizona. And um, he could flip a girl on one arm and um, huge muscles, just a really great teddy bear of a guy though. He loved giving bear hugs. And he went on a program to study in China. He had already done it once before in Nanjing. And um, then at fall break, he wanted to go to Tibet to be able to um, experience the life and culture of Tibet because they were studying it at the university actually. And he flew to Chengdu first and then from Chengdu all the way up to Lhasa, which is 11,000 feet with 13 other kids that were on the program with him. Usually you're supposed to only go up in altitude 2,000 feet a day to be able to stay safe and not catch altitude sickness. They went the next morning in a bus up the mountain to the base camp of Mount Everest, which is about 19,000 feet. And as they were making their way up the mountain, uh, everybody was getting sick. They were having to get out of the bus to throw up, oh holding some of the girls' heads. They were actually, some of the kids were urinating in the bus, which is another sign of altitude sickness that nobody understood because none of these kids, um, there were supposed to be two professors on the trip with them. And it ended up that they just went with a Chinese tour guide who was trying to get them up the mountain as quickly as possible before, um, before the sun went down. And so um, 
by the time that they got up to the top of the mountain, Morgan had a terrible migraine and he ate a little and then he went to bed and he was getting up. They were staying in a yurt, which is a big tent that um, is open. And he would wander around and call people by the wrong name, which is also something that's a sign of altitude sickness, but nobody recognized it. And the next morning when they were supposed to wake up and go back down the mountain um, at nine in the morning, he was foaming at the mouth and he couldn't be, no one could wake him up. So one of the kids on the program has a mother who's a doctor and uh, he called her and she told him, get him down the mountain as quickly as possible. Well, these 13 kids loaded Morgan onto the bus, very heavy Morgan, obviously, onto the bus and started down the mountain. And it was at that time that the director called me and said, we have a problem with Morgan. We're getting him down the mountain as quickly as possible. I'm going to give you his roommate's cell phone number. So I was able to call Colin. And when I got Colin, um, I, I just feel like he was incredibly mature because he said, uh, Miss Boisson, it doesn't look good. By that time, Morgan had stopped breathing. They had gotten him off the bus and they were, he was undergoing a CPR. And so he said, um, he's not breathing. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to save him. And not only that, but none of the kids really knew CPR that were on this program. And so I told him immediately, it was just like a flash, please call and put the phone up to his ear. And he did. And I told Morgan that we loved him, that we were proud of him and not to be afraid. And immediately when I did that, I felt him hug me. It was obviously a world away. I was here in Cave Creek, Arizona. He was um, at the base camp of Mount Everest, but I felt that hug. And I wanna say that the reason that I felt the hug, I found out later is because of the fact that first of all, it's called a shared death experience that I was experiencing with Morgan. Second of all, Chelsea went home first. So she was the first person to greet Morgan when he crossed over and she grabbed his hand and led him to me and allowed him to hug me so quickly. So. Wow, makes that I, I have tears in my eyes. What a story. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I, I just feel so grateful that this happened to me. And Irene, I thought that everybody who has a loved one transition was experiencing the same thing. I thought that this probably happened to everyone. Um, and I came to realize that not everybody does experience this right away but it is something that our kids and our loved ones want us to experience um, at some point. So, and I'm sure you know that. Oh, of course. And, and there might've been ways to plan to one day do what you're doing. And that was certainly a marvelous in its way experience for you to open your eyes and to begin what you, what the amazing work that you're doing. And we're going to get to that in the interview. So, I want to explain to everyone that you are called a shining light mom to Morgan and Chelsea, and you are mom to your daughters, Alix and Christine, who are in their 20s. Tell us how the name Shining Light Parent 
came into being? I would love to. And I feel so grateful because for a while there, we all kind of felt like we had to call each other bereaved, which is really not a very nice word. As a matter of fact, bereaved is probably the saddest word in the English dictionary. And so um, we were talking, the three of us were talking, Irene Vubalidis, who's our vice president, as well as Suzanne Giesman, who is a huge supporter of Helping Parents Heal. And Suzanne said, and, and Irene and I were saying, it's just so hard being called bereaved. I don't, we don't like that word. Isn't there a better word? And so Suzanne Giesman meditated and she came back with Shining Light Parent, which just makes so much sense to us because it doesn't mean that you're shining a light um, immediately, but what it is saying is that the light of our kids and our loved ones shines through us and allows us to be able to guide others towards healing as well. So I really like that term. I think it's wonderful. And it, it allows for some people are shining light siblings, some people are shining light who have, you know, whatever it is, who have lost, I'm shining a shining light, light widow. Yeah, My husband shines through me all the time. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, um, producer Craig McMahon, who is a Shining Light sibling, created and produced the documentary about helping parents heal titled Life to Afterlife. Mom, can you hear me? And he also wrote the introduction to Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal, the book. In his introduction, Craig says that he is blessed to create platforms to demonstrate all the journeys of the exceptional people he meets. What would you like to share with us about both Craig and his documentary, Life to Afterlife? Mom, can you hear me? Well, first of all, I want to say that when I first met him, I was uh, cautious because we'd had a lot of people interested in doing documentaries about helping parents heal. And I thought, oh, here's another person interested. But there was something different about Craig. And I didn't even know at the time that he was a shining light sibling, which is what is so different about him. He gets it. But he, he lost two brothers, right? Yes. And actually, his brother Carrie passed when Craig was only nine years old in a car accident. His brother Alan passed later on and it was actually he completed suicide but both of those first of all made him realize um that life is very tenuous and that there's there you have to be able to um to be happy and to move forward while you're here but even more importantly he understood what his parents were going through he saw the effect of having his two brothers pass on them. And so I think that the reason that the first documentary that he created in the whole uh, series, which is the Life to Afterlife spirituality series, the first one was Life to Afterlife, Mom, Can You Hear Me?, based on 17 Parents from Helping Parents Heal, because it's very near and dear to his heart. And so I feel very fortunate that he is the person that took this project on and who um, did such a beautiful job of it. And I want to say one more thing about Craig that I just Absolutely. think- Absolutely. Oh, please do. Well, I think it's wonderful because 
all of us were so idealistic and we thought, okay, we're going to talk about all the signs that our kids send us because there are so many signs that our kids send us. And the 17 parents who were in the documentary um, were a little bit further down the line. So they were getting some really big things. And he kind of toned it down for the first documentary because he said, um, we don't want people to be coming after you because you're, you're crazy or, you know, what, what you're saying is just too far out there. We'll do a 2.0 later on. We'll do one that, you know, once people are used to seeing this, then we'll move on to a, a bigger version of this with more signs and more incredible things that are happening. And I kind of explain that in the book, but then something else happened, making me decide that I had to write this book. <laughs> and I think that's my next question: that you were, you were, um, you were listen. Um, well, well, my question is: I encourage everyone to be sure to listen to my interview with the great medium Jamie Clark on Grief and Rebirth podcast. Please tell us about the message Jamie received for you on his Psychic Evolution podcast from your son, Morgan, that inspired you to write Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal the Book, based on Craig's documentary. And how did the kids help the book come together in less than two months? Well, okay, that's exactly right. I must, be, I must be psychic. I knew what you were, gonna, <laughs> you were going with that. It's amazing because... You know, there were things that were missing. There were a whole bunch of stories that, you know, I would tell Craig a story on the sofa and then it wasn't there because it was it was kind of far out there. It was it was more than what he was wanting to put into the uh, original documentary. And so um, Jamie was interviewing me and before the interview started, he said, Morgan's here. And Morgan's telling me that he wants you to write a book based on that documentary, Life to Afterlife. Mom, can you hear me? And he wants all of the parents to write a chapter for the book. And I thought, well, that's a great idea, but when? how am I gonna do this? We, we have a conference coming up. We're interviewing someone every single night. And I said, okay, Jamie, thank you. And thank you, Morgan. And I sent out an email the next day to everyone who was in the documentary, as well as to Craig and um, the two people who wrote the forewords, and then um, immediately got everything back. And then we had a mom who is an incredible editor who isn't in the documentary, who was willing to edit our book as well. And it came out less than two months after yes so it was it was definitely driven by the kids by Morgan and all of our kids <laughs> wonderful and there are two uplifting forwards like you just said in life to afterlife helping parents heal the book in the forward by author and spirit medium Maureen Hancock she talks about the proof of survival she and her sister received from her nephew Sean literally moments after he died and then there's a forward by former U.S. Navy commander turned author and professional medium Suzanne Giesman, who I've had the honor of interviewing on Grief and Rebirth podcast. 
Suzanne talks about this amazing message given to Helping Parents Heal Vice President Irene Bouvalides by her daughter, Carly. Have you seen the deer yet? Carly asked from across the veil. So now you have two very special stories to share with all of us, Elizabeth. Well, yes. I First of all, I just want to say that it's kind of exciting <clears throat> that all of the people who contributed to this, Maureen Hancock, as well as Suzanne Giesman, um, Maureen is a shining light aunt, um, as we would say. Suzanne is a shining light stepmom. Um, and going back to the to the deer, that was kind of an amazing thing. That was during the documentary. Um, we had all done our individual portions uh, interviewing with Craig. And then at the end, we got together at two of the parents' house to do some more filming. And uh, Suzanne Giesman flew in for that, as well as uh, Mark Ireland flew in and Irene was there. And um, picking um, Irene up at the airport, uh, Suzanne had just given her that message we drove into my, and actually it was, it was Carly's either angel date or birthday. I think it was her birthday when we were filming. So I had gotten her a card that I picked out that I went directly to the shelf and found this uh, rainbow and open it up and it's singing somewhere over the rainbow which is a huge sign for Irene. And I thought, gosh, Carly just picked that out for her. But anyway, we get home and right behind our house, along the, the wall where they never really congregate, there are all these deer. There are just, there are deer everywhere. And it's right next to the casita, which is where I'm sitting right now, um, where Irene was going to be staying. And so, I started counting the deer and I got up to the number 14. Well, I didn't know about this thing that Suzanne had talked about and Suzanne didn't understand what the, have you seen the deer yet? Because they hadn't seen them yet. And then when we got together the next day, we talked about the deer. I talked about the fact that there were 14 of them and there were 14 kids that day that were being represented in the filming. So it all tied so beautifully together. And I, I just feel so- A great story. Great. Yes, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I, no, 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 no. I just wanted to say, I mean, it's such a fabulous story. And then there's also the story from Maureen. Wasn't she like devastated when her nephew died, but she saw him? There's a story about- about she got proof of survival almost immediately, right? Almost immediately for her nephew. And, you know, I think that she feels Maureen is the type of person that would do anything for any parent who has had a child pass. And I know now, because I never really understood it before, she is so so giving and so caring. It's because she's been through this. If you are a member of a family who has a child who's passed, even if you're an aunt or an uncle, or if you're a brother, a sibling, having a way to be able to help others is something that 
add so much light to all of our lives. And Maureen Hancock is one of those huge bright lights, huge, huge. I mean, she's just amazing. And her foreword is beautiful. And I'll let the readers read about it so that they can see what happened with Ryan. That's right. I mean, this the, the, the stories in this book are, it, you would think that you're reading a book about, you know, um, the losses, but it's really about the gains because they find their children on the other side and the amazing experiences they talk about. It's just wonderful. Um, how about telling us some of the amazing signs Morgan and the other kids in the book have sent their parents to help them heal? Well, there are so many of them. And I'm going to start with one that's not Morgan because I just love it so much. And um, that is the one with Lori Savoy and she's our secretary for helping parents heal. She's on the board. Um, she was having a service for her son. Um, they're mostly from Canada and they live down here in Arizona as well. And they had all of their Canadian cousins that were around the island in the kitchen. And they had ordered balloons, but there was this one red balloon that kind of broke apart and it was making its way around the group that were standing around the island. And her niece said, oh, that's Garrett. That's Garrett. He's, he's around us. He's going around us and he's just saying hi to everybody. And his nephew or her nephew was there and he said, that's ridiculous. That's not Garrett. That's silly. So this nephew goes over to a computer that's against a wall that's on the other side of this big living room area. And the balloon starts making its way across the living room and it gets over to him and it attaches itself to the back of his hair. And then as he turns one way, it pops over here. As he turns another way, it pops over here. And he's like shaking it off and he's tapping on the computer and then the balloon goes underneath his arm and pops up in his face. Oh, 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 wow. And so he's like, okay, okay, if this is Garrett, go down that hall to the fridge in the pantry and get me a beer and I'll believe you. The balloon went down the hall. And everybody in the whole house is, is following this balloon at this point to the refrigerator, stuck on the refrigerator, like it was, you know, magnetic. And then the cousin opened the refrigerator door, took out a beer and said, he clicked it open. He said, here's to Garrett, of course, because finally made him a believer. I mean, how could you not believe that? That's an amazing story. <laughs> it's beautiful. So um, that's one story that I absolutely love. I, I have a, a lot of stories of Morgan saving people's lives. One of them was a firefighter friend, and he had been at the University of Arizona as a cheerleader. Um, he was a wildcat, and um, his best friend, Dan, was Wilbur Wildcat. So he always wore that huge... Um, costume. And um, anyway, at the end of college, he decided to go back and get his firefighting degree. Um, I don't think it's a degree, but I, he became a firefighter. Like and a certification type of thing, probably. Yes, that's 
that's probably better. And so one of the first fires that he was fighting, um, he was in a garage and he and his buddy were going to get the car out of the garage by putting it in neutral and pushing it out of the garage. They had the garage door open. Dan was on the outside. He was going to be pushing the car backwards. And then the other guy was in. He had put it in neutral. And all of a sudden, Dan felt these arms come around his chest pulling him back off his feet all the way back to the back of the room or the garage and an air conditioning unit fell right where he had been standing oh my god and the guy that was in the car said dude what just happened and dan knew it was morgan because Morgan always gave the best bear hugs. And in, in fact, in his cheerleading squad, he was called Big Bear. So because of the of the huge bear hugs he used to give. So Dan knew it was Morgan. And in fact, he named his first son Barrett Morgan. Um, oh, what an honor of Morgan. So I I just say this one because physically they they can actually do things to um to keep people from passing he did this with um some cheerleading buddies this isn't in the book but uh, a girl and a guy got hit by a car going 60 miles an hour their car looked like an accordion this was the year after morgan passed and it was up on facebook both of these kids got out of the car without a scratch and they knew they said they felt Morgan in the car with them, which is just amazing. So, and the book is filled with these kinds of things that have happened. Um, amazing stories. One is more amazing than the next. And Morgan also saved your daughter's life in Paris, right? Yes. Alix, tell us that one. Oh goodness, that's just such an amazing story. That is unbelievable. Well, well, um, it's believable if you if you resonate and you understand this world for people who are you know skeptics are like what? But it's fabulous. How did um, he help his sister? She she was supposed to go out to a New Year's Eve party with her cousin and her cousin's French and her cousin had her boyfriend with her, but Alix was going by herself. She had a little tiny cocktail dress on with no sleeves, was black, and then she had a coat. And she had a purse as well. And she checked them in when she got there. They were all the way over on the other side of Paris from where um, she normally lived, which was in Saint-Germain. And so she um, started feeling really sick because she'd already had um, migraine medicine before she left. And then she started drinking. And she told Anne-Sophie that she was going home. And Anne-Sophie said, oh, yeah go on home, didn't really get up off the couch and say, oh, maybe I should help you out or anything like that. It's okay though. But anyway, she um, hustled out of the place they were, uh, the, the place that the party was without getting her coat, without getting her um, uh, purse either. She did have her phone with her. And um, she got out to the curb and she jumped into the first taxi that she saw. And after they drove for a little while, she realized at the next stop sign that she didn't recognize the person who was sitting in the passenger seat next to her. So she jumped out, she looked up at the um, name of the street 
on, that's written on the wall did not recognize it at all. And snow started falling. Oh and my God. Here she is in a little tiny cocktail dress and it's probably two in the morning. And so she kind of passed out then. The next thing that she knew, she was waking up in her bed at nine in the morning. Her roommates were shaking her awake saying, we got to get the train to go to Portugal today. You got to wake up. And she had made it back to her bed. The door had slammed open at three in the morning, her roommate said, and um, they, they lived up on the seventh floor of this apartment building, meaning that whoever carried her up there carried her up seven flights of stairs. Oh my God. And Alix knew, she just, she knew in her heart that this was Morgan that brought her home. It saved her life. What happened to her purse and her coat? Her cousin got all of that stuff for her. Thank heavens. I mean, that's not even important. Thank you. No, heavens. it's not, but, but oh, I was just curious, wow. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was, that was an amazing story. And you know, it's so interesting because um, she didn't tell me that uh, until she was living in London a couple of, uh, a couple of years later, um, because she didn't think I'd believe it. She, she was first of all, embarrassed that, you know, she uh, felt so sick and had to go home at, after this new year's Eve party. But second of all, she just thought it was so incredible that there was no way that I would believe that Morgan could have done that. But I believe 100% that he did that. Absolutely. So many other things, too. Wow. That's amazing. That's just incredible. Um, you list 10 ways to heal, or your group lists 10 ways to heal from the passing of a child towards the end of the book. And so what would you like people to know about the 10 ways to heal and also about life to afterlife, helping parents heal the book? I'm sure there are a few other things you'd like everyone to know. Well, I really would like for people to understand that even though a lot of times people will tell you that it's impossible to heal from the passing of a child, we know and we are proof that it is possible to heal and that our kids want us to heal. And so um, I have written these 10 different ways of passing, uh, of healing after the passing of a child. And I'd love to just read the first one because I think that this is indicative of the whole, the whole way that we actually believe or think in helping parents heal. Know that your child is not gone. The veil that separates you from your son or daughter is as thin as a sheet of paper. And when we see them again, we will feel as though, though not one second has passed. As Suzanne Giesman so eloquently puts it, our kids are still right here. So this list is a, is a list of learning to communicate, raising our vibration, surrounding ourselves with friends who understand because you know there are so many people that you can um, tell these incredible stories to who will say that's just crazy that that didn't happen to you You're, that was just you thinking that that happened um, 
being able to express gratitude is also something that's really important. Every morning when I wake up, I, I am just so grateful to be able to start another day and to post all of the kids on our website because I post them for their angel dates and for their birthdays. And I love doing that. But also, I think that the main thing that allows all of us to heal, and I think that you have done this in spades, Irene, is helping others. Because when we help others, it helps us even more than it's helping that person. And so when we reach a hand back and help others forward on this journey, it just, it, it's like, it gives us this energy boost. To it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. People say to me all the time, you're so vibrant and you're so alive. And you're absolutely right, Elizabeth. This is like this beautiful fuel. I, I feel so grateful for what I can do. And and people are thrilled with that. You know, they're, they're listening to the interviews. They're getting so much help. Just like with what, I mean, we're sisters of a, of a feather. Right? We're both... <laughs> You know, we, we didn't ask for this assignment or maybe we did before we knew we came and we were in the flesh here, but it's so, um, we've been through our trials and it's so wonderful to be able to tell people you can make it through. Yeah, it is. You can make it through. And it's so wonderful to be able to, um, to be proof because you're proof and I'm proof. And so when I have people on Helping Parents Heal saying, I'm not going to get through this, there's no way that I can get through this. I say, you're going to make it through this. We're going to help you. But we are proof that it's possible to move through this and heal because we were in the same place that you were, but it is something that we can all do and we need to help each other to do it. Right. We can't do it alone. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Which leads me to helping parents heal is having this incredible conference in Phoenix, Arizona this August. I am looking forward to interviewing the presenters and sharing their insights with our Grief of Rebirth podcast audience. What would you like to tell our audience about the conference? Just let it just speak away, Elizabeth. What would you like people to know? First of all, I would love to say that Irene Vuvulidis is the originator of the conference and she is our conference director, but I work um, every day with her to make this a success. I am so thrilled that you're going to be there. And we have um, 814 people who are signed up right now. Um, the last conference that we had in Phoenix included 500 people, so it'll be bigger, but it's a much bigger space. It's a beautiful space as well. And we have some incredible presenters who are going to be there, incredible healers who are going to be there. And I'm excited that you're going to be interviewing all of those people. But all of that information is on our website at helpingparentsheal.org under resources there's a conference tab and it has all of our presenters with their bios with their uh pictures as well so if anyone would be interested in joining us we don't have a lot of space uh left but we would love to have you so um and we also have scholarship 
opportunities available. So um, if you're interested, please let Irene or me know. And that's Irene B, as opposed to me, Irene W, but I will be interviewing a lot of the presenters there. And this is what's really important to me, that people know, not only that they get the book, but they know about the conference because unfortunately, but unfortunately, there will be, we will all meet people. There's a good likelihood we'll meet other people going through these kinds of things. And it's just so great to know that there is a resource like Helping Parents Heal that can help people. Just to know this, I've told a few people who have had no new people who lost children or have had experiences. I, I, I've, I've speared, I've guided quite a few people to your site and all. And it's such a wonder and vice versa. People are constantly guiding people to grief and rebirth. It's all a community that wants to help. I agree. And it sure is nice to have this during COVID, as I say, having these resources, having your podcast that now has over a hundred thousand views. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm just so humbled and grateful all the time, you know, just like you, I went through something and something beautiful is coming from it. It's amazing. It's just, I wake up every day, just like you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What would you like to tell parents about the possibility of healing on the passing of a child? How do their children, how do their children help them to heal? Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful question. I think that it's important for all of the parents to understand that our kids, first of all, are happy, healthy, and home. So we are still in school. We're still learning things, but our kids work together to connect with us in the same way that we work to connect with them. And obviously their vibration is just a little bit different. They have a different vibration. We have to raise our vibration to be able to communicate with them. But you don't have to be a medium to connect with, with our children. I get hugs all the time from Morgan and from Chelsea. I get goosebumps all the time when I know that they are wanting me to get information that I have uh, understood is from them. I get these goosebumps and I realize, yes, that's them. It doesn't have to be from Chelsea and Morgan. It can be from all, all different kids because um, there are 20,000 parents in our group now. So. Which, is, which is amazing. And that bears repeating. Helping Parents Heal now has 20,000 parents. So it's incredible. At least that many kids and probably more. Yeah. I have two myself. So yes, I, I think that um, the kids work together, learning together. Not only that, they're all really great friends, but they all learn together to communicate with us. It's wonderful. And um, you mentioned the, the, um, the website. I'm going to have you tell people that again. And where will the money earned by this book go to help parents and families to heal? Oh, that's such a good question. We are using this book. This book is something that we feel is actually done by all of us at Helping Parents Heal. So it's the 17 parents who were in the documentary. It's also 
Uh, there are three chapters written by three board members who were kind of far away at the time, so it wasn't possible for them to fly to Phoenix to be interviewed. Um, but it is um, something that we wanted to be able to give back to our parents. So um, every penny that's earned goes towards scholarships or other things that are needed in helping parents heal. And um, we're hoping, we, we already have, I believe, for the conference itself, um, about 80 parents who are coming on scholarships, and we're hoping to have even more. And we're very, very excited about that because um, it's really important to have these resources for parents to be able to move forward and heal. To find hope. And to, to find, find hope. To find healing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would imagine this is what gives you joy in life, but is there anything else? Do you have any other tips for finding joy in life, Elizabeth? Well, I think that the thing that makes me the most joyful is helping someone else. And that sounds maybe a little bit trite, but I just, I feel very fortunate. I'm a caring listener. Irene is a caring listener as well. Caring listeners in Helping Parents Heal, there are 31 of us. Um, we take calls from parents who um, might not be doing very well. And we are not professionals, we're not counselors, but we just um, work towards lifting their spirits and letting them know that their kids are still right here. And so that kind of call is one of my favorite times of the day. That's beautiful. Well, I wasn't surprised to read in Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal the book, that according to the Reverend Andrew M. Greeley, a sociologist at the University of Chicago, 81% of Americans now believe in the afterlife, and there continues to be growing interest in life after death. Helping Parents Heal is unique, because it offers an enlightened area of relief for the grief that accompanies the death of a child. It illustrates over and over again that it is indeed possible to survive the passing of a child, to heal, and to find rebirth. Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal, the book, beautifully reveals that our loved ones on the other side are indeed happy, healthy, and whole. I encourage members of our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience to watch the YouTube documentary, Life to Afterlife, Mom, Can You Hear Me? And be sure to read the very uplifting Life to Afterlife, Helping Parents Heal, the book, especially because every penny earned by the book goes towards helping grieving parents and families to heal. And Elizabeth, knowing that your greatest joy comes from reaching a hand back to help others move forward, I can truly say that I have experienced great joy getting to know you and the incredible people associated with helping parents heal. Thank you from my heart of heart for this wonderful, uplifting interview. And here's a reminder, everyone. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued. <laughs>
many blessings and bye for now. Mm-hmm.